Messianic Radio for a spiritually hungry world. Speak to the Rock. Get answers for your life. Find out what's missing in your Bible and why. Solace Radio. Changing lives one heart at a time. I want to share a message from our Torah portion today. Vaera. Luis, thank you for that wonderful reading. Great job. If you were reading along with Luis, you may have noticed something that I noticed just in the Aliyah that he was reading at least twice, maybe three times. We read the word hardened, hardened, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. In this Torah portion alone, Vaira, which means appeared, and, and I appeared, the Lord said, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the beginning of our portion. But in this Torah portion alone, which is from chapter Exodus 6 through Exodus 9, the word hardened appears 11 times. Isn't that amazing? Caught my eye. I wanted to see what the primary word in Hebrew was being used for the word hardened, because there are several Hebrew words that can be translated hardened or hardened. And there are two primary words that are used in this Torah portion that have that translation. It may interest you to know these words. One of the words comes from, both words come from the Torah not just here to describe Pharaoh's, um, Pharaoh's hardening of his heart, but both words appear in the Torah with completely different references. And I'll share that with you as we go through the message today. How about that? I, is that a hook? Did I grab you on that one? Well, just tell us now. No. tell you in a moment. I wanted to focus on just a couple of verses from this Torah portion and focus on this idea of being delivered and set apart. One of the primary uh, verses, one of the primary verse or two of the primary verses that appear in Passover come from this Torah portion. And we're going to focus on that because, not because I want to talk about Passover, but because I want to talk about being delivered and set apart. Israel has been under, has been oppressed, enslaved, doing forced labor for a long period of time now in Egypt. And they're, and they cried and they cried out to the Lord. God heard their cry and raised up a deliverer, if you will, not a postman, a deliverer who would deliver them out of bondage. Now, I want you to notice that God always takes the credit for deliverance, even though he uses a man. Some people can focus on the man and forget the source of power that was given to that man, the Lord. You'll see here, God claims glory. He claims to be the deliverer 
but he's raising up a deliverer, and his name is Moshe, Moses. Delivered and set apart. So Israel, in a nutshell, is in the process of being delivered out of Egypt, out of bondage. And they will be set apart, as we'll see in these next two Torah portions, they are set apart while God brings ten plagues upon the land of Egypt. The first few plagues can be imitated by the magicians of Egypt. But then there comes a point when they can no longer imitate. And then you saw, you saw in this, in this aliyah that was read today, the frogs, you know, the frogs that came and that was one of the plagues, the frogs. And then, you know, Pharaoh said, please, please pray to your God and, and, you know, re, you know, bring some relief from these frogs and makes a promise, you know, okay, all right, all right, I'll let you guys go out and worship. And so Moshe prays, the frogs die, as you saw in this Torah portion in this Aliyah. And immediately after the frogs die, the scripture says, and Pharaoh felt relieved. When he was under pressure, he said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll do what you want. All right, I'll do what you want, okay. Okay, the arm was released, no longer under pressure. He says, forget it. And the scripture uses the term hardened. He hardened his heart. So they're going through the process of deliverance during the second half of the plagues that the magicians cannot imitate, which takes place right after the frogs. Starts happening after the frogs. The magicians try to imitate it, but they can't do it. So they go to Pharaoh and they say, hey, we can't imitate this one. This is really God. And, and Pharaoh hears that and hardens his heart again. So they're in the process, but now God separates. He's in the process of delivering, but now he sets apart Israel and the plagues that are coming upon Egypt that cannot be imitated are not coming upon Israel, who is now living in Goshen. It's quite a story. So as God judges Egypt for the remainder of the plagues, Israel is covered, protected. When there's darkness in Egypt, there's light in Goshen. When there's death of the firstborn in Egypt, there's life in Goshen, protected by the blood of the Lamb. So they're in this process of deliverance, and once they are delivered, redeemed and delivered out of the bondage of Egypt, and they're set free, they're set apart, they're set free, and they go out by the way, I'm sharing with you some a pattern that God has shown us through the Passover. That's why this deliverance out of Egypt is is recounted so many times through Scripture, Old and New, Old and New Testament alike. It's referred to over and over again. There's a pattern here of salvation and deliverance that needs to be noticed. So there's a process of deliverance. There's a process when God takes over and fights on on their behalf. And it cannot be imitated by the enemy. And his children are protected. And when that process is concluded and the, and, and, and the people are delivered, when we're delivered, what comes next? Oh, we just jump right into the promises of God. No. We are led into the wilderness. Why? Why, were, why was Israel led into the wilderness? Because Israel was covered with slavery. 
Their hearts were the hearts of slaves. Just because someone is delivered and no longer is in servitude, it doesn't mean that they're not still in servitude in their hearts and in their minds. And God had to take them through a wilderness wandering experience in order to deliver them out of this slave mentality, if you will. Listening or hearing the wrong voice, which is not the voice of God. So, okay, so I gave you my message. Delivered and set apart. It's time for real change. Yes, this sounds familiar because it's been a political season. Every, every candidate that runs for president of the United States says he's bringing change. You know, every one of them. It's nothing new. But it's time for real change for the people of God. It's time for real change for the people who want to know God. Here's an opportunity that is being offered by the Lord for real change. And you know what? He's not looking for your vote. He's not elected. He's not electable. The Lord is not careful about his speech. He hits us where it hurts. But he never says anything just to demean us. He only brings conviction by his spirit so that we turn to him and call on his name. This is from Vaera, the Torah portion we are studying this week, reading this week. So, let's, let's just take a little look at change first. Change. It's time for real change. Real change. I want you to find a bold and innovative way to do everything exactly the same way it's been done for 25 years. <laughs> I suppose this is some sort of change, but not really. I want you to find a new congregation to worship where it'll, be, it'll feel new and innovative, but don't worry about it. Don't change your heart. It's you know, what you've been doing for the last number of years for your life is okay. Not real change. Just make it look like change. <laughs> Susie, you're it. <laughs> is this the new, forming the new social order? Is it freedom, or is it slavery? Okay, I showed you, earlier I showed you my phone. I'd forgotten it in my pocket. I showed you my phone. I couldn't even get away from that little piece of electronic, that little electronic device on Shabbat. It's like it was hooked to my hip. The only good thing about it is I had it in my hip pocket, and when I was sitting down, it was under my control. <laughs> I say that because that's part of the message today. It's an introduction. It's an introduction to slavery. It's amazing when you go into a restaurant and sit around a table where there are a number of people who are supposed to be socializing with each other over breaking bread, are not speaking to each other at all. 
but they're, they're looking at their, their texting or they're looking at their phone. I wonder if what was meant to be some, or what was thought of to be some measure of producing freedom in our lives so that we can communicate better and faster and find more information, etc., etc., is turning out to be a manipulation for enslavement. I wonder how many of us can just depart from our electronics on Shabbat or one day a week. It's pretty tough. Freedom or slavery? Remind me not to carpool with Paul again. (laughs) Not you, Paul. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about this deliverance and set apart. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, we read, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from the bondage of the Egyptians. So there are at least four, probably five things we could look at here. And I'm going to read it to you. The beginning of the parsha starts out, God spoke further to Moshe and said to him, I am Adonai. This is the first commandment that appears in the Ten Commandments. Not really a commandment, it's a word. I am Adonai. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, as God Almighty. But I didn't reveal my name as yud heh the Lord, Adonai. I don't speak his sacred name, partly because I don't, I'm not sure of it, although I could guess, but because it's, it's not something that Jews speak in, even in shul, even in, or everyday language. I did not make myself known to them by my name, my sacred name. But he is making himself, his sacred name known now. And I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land which they, the land which they, in which they sojourned. So here is El Shaddai, who was revealed to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the covenant maker. El Shaddai, God Almighty, he can do all is the covenant maker. Now he reveals himself as Adonai, yud heh as the covenant keeper, the one who keeps covenant. Wait a minute. I don't know if I can believe that's the same God. It was El Shaddai that made the covenant with our forefathers. Now somebody else is calling himself Adonai, yud heh says he's going to keep the covenant. Can I believe Can I believe this is really the same God? What about in the future when the Mashiach comes and his name shall be salvation? Yeshua. Should I believe it's the same God or someone different? And furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage. Holding them in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Friends, just remember, this is a story about a real people, Israel, our forefathers who were really redeemed out of Egypt, and God is recounting why he's delivering them. I remember my covenant, and my covenant people will not be held in bondage. I want you to apply that to your life, to our lives. I remember my covenant, 
and my covenant people will not be held in bondage. I will bring deliverance. I remember my covenant, and I've heard their prayers, their groanings. Now, therefore, say to B'nai Israel, to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. Anohi Adonai. Ani Adonai. Anohi Adonai, the first commandment of the ten. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And finally, I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Don't ever think the Lord simply delivers us out so that we can be free. What does that mean, free? The Lord brings us out so he can bring us in to his freedom, to his promises. He doesn't just open the jail, the, the door to the jail, unshackle the chains, just so we can be, okay, see you later, go on, go on, shoo, shoo, shoo. No, he breaks the chains of bondage and brings us out so that he can bring us in to his presence, into his kingdom, into his promises. As he promised Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, you and your descendants shall possess this land. Immediately, God says, I'm going to bring them out. They're going to be my people. I'll be their God, and I'm going to bring them to and have possession of the promised land. So in verse 9, Moshe spoke this way to the sons of Israel, just exactly repeated what God just said to him. But but they, Israel, didn't listen to Moshe on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. I want you to hear something. Israel, at this point, we could say had a hard heart, but it's not the same Hebrew word as the hard heart of Pharaoh. Just not. Not the same as either of the two other words that I was referencing that I will be showing you. The hardness of their heart was caused by oppression, not by rejection of the Lord. It was caused by oppression. This word despondency, this Hebrew word, can be sometimes translated in modern vernacular as depression, if you will. Severely depressed people have a hard time hearing. Well, just get up out of bed. Just start praising God. Just start singing the joy of the Lord is my strength. They hear, but it's kind of like falls off their ears because for some reason they can't do it. So Israel couldn't hear the words of God through Moses because of their despondency. The word despondency here, made up of two Hebrew words, it means the shortness of breath, ruach, or the shortness of spirit, if you will. Look, we, when we're, when we're enjoying life, when we're free, we have a little bit 
longer length of spirit, you know. Our breath is a little bit deeper, longer, because we are free, we, we're happy, we, you know. But when we find ourselves tackled and oppressed, and it happens for a period of time, we begin to lose heart. Our spirit gets shorter. Our breath gets shorter. And somebody comes along and says, take a deep breath. <gasps> it's not easy to take a deep breath when, you're, when your breath is short. Sometimes you need help. God raised up Moshe to come along and bring the help. But the people at the moment couldn't receive it. They wanted to. They already believed God in the passage before. In the portion last week, they've already believed God. They believed the signs that Moshe brought. And he went, Moshe went before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh, he said, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, I don't know your God. And I'm not letting the people go. And besides that, I'm going to double the labors of the enslaved. And so now they were getting whipped. Couldn't fulfill what they were doing before. It's almost like you got a demotion at your job, or you got fired, or you got kicked out of school. Maybe because you were naughty, but still. Now you're depressed. And when somebody comes along to bring the word of the Lord that should be encouraging, which may come from any of us to someone else, we are the ones that have to take up the long spirit. We are the ones that have to endure. We are the ones that have now the responsibility to grab somebody's hand and say, okay, come on with me. You can't come on. You can't go by yourself. Come with me and I'll be your shield. I'll break the ice. I'll, I'll make this happen. Sometimes people need that. Israel needed it and God sent it to break the discouragement. I will deliver you out of Egypt. I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens. Savala of the Egyptians. Savalah is a Hebrew word that certainly is translated burdens. It's, it means something like you're carrying a weight, carrying something. And it's more than you can port, but you're doing it anyway because you're being forced. This can come in a physical sense and this can come in a spiritual sense. For Egypt, it was both. For Israel and Egypt, it was both. They had to do all this forced labor, but then it began to really be discouraging for them. But they still were a people of hope. Still, they were, they were like, and I'm going to show you in a minute. They're people who were called by Jeremiah prisoners of hope. If you're prisoners of no hope, you may die in prison. If you're prisoners of hope, you have a hope. You may not even see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you know there is one because you, you know that the one who promises there is, is real. So it may be physical burden, but it also may be spiritual burden or oppression. Just a weight. I will bring you out. The root word, yatsa, to go out. <coughs> In Israel, <clears throat> if you ever get confused and you need to get out of the place, you'll generally see a sign that says Yatsia, which comes from the same root. It means exit. 
Yatsa, I will bring you out. I'm going to show you the exit sign. I'm going to help you exit your slavery. He says, I'm going to bring it out. I love this about the Lord. He says, he, he doesn't just say, I'll show you the way. I'll get up and go. He says, I'm going to bring you out. I, the Lord, will bring you out. I will bring you out from under tachat, the burdens of the Egyptians. Tachat. Remember I told you that I was sitting on my cell phone and it was under my control? This is the word that's used in Hebrew. Tachat. Israel was under the control of the Egyptians and they were under the burdens that the Egyptians had placed on them. It was like they were sitting on the people of Israel. It was their bottom. Sometimes in Yiddish, I know. If, if, I hope you don't feel like I'm cursing here. But tachat in Yiddish is tuchas. Sometimes we soften it by saying it's the tushi. <laughs> but the Egyptians put these burdens smack directly on Israel, and they sat on them all the time. They were under the burdens of the Egyptians. So what does the Lord have to do? The same thing he did to me. Because of my hard heart toward Yeshua, he had to kick me in my tachat. <laughs> my tachas. <laughs> he had to kick me to get me up and pay attention to what he was saying. Sometimes it happens to you too. Not all of us have immediate responsive hearts to the Lord's Word. Yeshua picks up this idea in Matthew 11. He says, are you burdened down, those of you who are heavy laden? If you're heavy burdens, if you're burdened down, come to me. Come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He says further on, I'll give you rest for your soul. Not just physical burdens, but the burden of the soul. I'll give you rest. This is an invitation that was spoken almost 2,000 years ago and is still ongoing today. Any of you, any of us, any time, are you burdened down? Yeshua says, come to me. Marlene had a good friend that she knew from university and kind of lost touch with, but then they found each other again years later. We were living in Dallas at that point. <clears throat> and she came, I guess she knew her from high school or all the way through school. She came and uh, so was so burdened down. She was so burdened down, it, was, it almost paralyzed her. We spent all day with her, prayed with her, shared the gospel with her. She grew up in church, this lady. Finally, she admitted, she says, I have done too many bad things. The Lord just won't accept me. She was so burdened down. The invitation of Yeshua to come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul couldn't be heard. That's why I'm saying to you today, are you burdened down? doesn't matter what you're burdened with. Every human life is a life of sin. 
None of us are so righteous that we don't need Yeshua. Come to me. I will give you rest, Yeshua says. Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2, I waited patiently. It's almost like, this is written by King David, it's almost like King David read the Torah. Do you know that the kings of old, of Israel, were required to write the Torah? They were required to write the Torah to be king, or as king. Ari's not here, so I'm going to tell on him. He's not a king, but he is, he, the, the, the senior leadership is transferring to Ari in, in, in October. You know what he's doing between now and October? He's writing out the Torah, the entire thing. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. Does this sound like the, the passage we're reading right now in the book of Exodus? I heard their groaning. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. That's what God does. I was telling you that's what he did for Israel. Okay, fine, they did it for Israel, but what about me? Well, what about David? He read the same story that you're reading today. And he believed the Lord and he kept on crying out to God. He heard me, he says, and he brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. Yeshua says the same thing. If you're burdened down, come to me. I'll give you rest. In Zechariah chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, by the blood of your covenant, the Lord says, I release your prisoners, your prisoners of hope. I love that phrase. I release your prisoners. If you trust me, you are the prisoners of hope. We have a living hope in Yeshua. I hope we don't forget it. My hope is in Him. How many times have I told you as a congregation, I have put all my eggs in one basket? I haven't, I haven't diversified. I put all my eggs in one basket, all my investments for this life and the life to come, the kingdom to come, the world to come, I put them all in one basket. The basket's name is Yeshua. If that doesn't materialize, I guess I'll be lost. But it's not a guessing game for me. I believe the Word of God. And everything in the Word of God, from the Torah through the Tanakh into the Brit Hadashah, tells me that Yeshua is the true Messiah. And he is the living hope. He is our living hope. Prisoners of hope, I will release you, the Lord says. Does anyone here want to be released today? Adunenu, I just pray in Yeshua's name right now for those who are amening and responding to, yes, I want to be released I ask you today in Yeshua's name to be to release them. Be released in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach by the blood of the covenant, by the blood of the Messiah Yeshua, the Lamb of God. Be released, you prisoners of hope. Be released into the freedom and the light of Yeshua. I will bring you out of Egypt, first Kepha, chapter first Peter chapter two, verse nine. 
but you are a chosen people. You are the king's kohanim priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God to possess, directly quoted from Exodus chapter 19. Why? In order for you to declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're not just being called out of darkness, remember. We're not just being called out of prison. We're being called into. And this is one of the things that he describes. We're being called into his wonderful light. Once I was blind, now I see, to quote an old Christian hymn. Isn't it interesting? The Lord wants people to love him and praise him. You are chosen. You are a chosen nation, a people for God's possession. Why? This is in the scripture. I'm not making this up. Just read the scripture so that you can praise me. I've brought you out of darkness so that you can praise me. God's not an egomaniac. He's not, you know, he's not like one of us who says, listen, the reason I'm going to pay your debt is because I want you to praise me. God wants you to be free. But once he frees us, he wants us not to think that some man freed us. No, it was God and God alone. Praise you, Lord. And I will deliver you. I will deliver you from bondage. All these words are kind of similar. I will bring you out of bondage and bring you into a new freedom. Now he says, I will deliver you. Special delivery. I will deliver you from bondage. This word deliver, natsal is the root, means to snatch away. I will snatch you out of the grip of the enemy. I'll snatch you away. I'll deliver you. I'll save you. I'll rescue you from slave labor. Both of my parents suffered slave labor during the Nazi regime. They were in labor camps. You hear about concentration camps. You hear about labor camps. Labor camps were made up of Jews for the purpose of slave labor. It was like being cast, thrown back into Egyptian bondage, for real. Not just mentally. The Lord says, I will deliver you. I will snatch you away. doesn't matter how strong the grip of the enemy is. I will snatch you away. If we're gripped by the enemy, if our heart is gripped, our mind is gripped, we feel gripped physically. The Lord will deliver you. I will snatch you away. I will save you. I will rescue you. So, is this a reference to the rapture? I'll snap you away. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 4, the Scripture says, by the way, the word rapture is not in the Scripture, but in 1 Thessalonians 4, it does say, I will catch you, and in parentheses, away. I will catch you away. Sort of the same. I'll seize you away. I'll maybe snatch you away. Is this a reference to the rapture? Well, if it is, then let's pay close attention. If you like the rapture, who wouldn't like it? But if you like it, let's look 
at Israel. God took Israel through. Do you hear this? God is God took Israel through the hardship of slavery, through the plagues, but he protected Israel in the plagues. He protected Israel even in the slavery. He protected Israel. And finally, when the enemy was defeated, the way that God snatched Israel away was the enemy was so defeated, Pharaoh asked them to leave. And when they left Egypt, all of their neighbors said, please take my gold, my silver, all this, anything I have that's worth anything, take it with you and get out. It's almost like the world, the world system, will cough us up because we are such an irritant. Not us, but the Lord in us. The Lord will snatch us away because we're such, a, such an irritating element in the world system. Now you might say to yourself, well, I don't think I'm such an irritating element in the world system. In fact, I kind of like the world system. It's, you know, entertaining, sometimes fun. You know, I can gain worldly wealth. Nothing wrong with fun and entertainment and even worldly wealth as the Lord provides. But it's when we start believing in the system rather than the Lord that we're caught and we become prisoners. God took Israel through the hardship and the plagues and out of forced avodah, forced labor. The word there is avodah. I want you to look at this word, avodah, avad, avodah, forced labor. The word avodah, when applied to spiritual activity, is the word in the Torah for worship. I wonder if there's a connection here that the Egyptians were forcing Israel to worship them, Pharaoh, other gods, because the world system of Egypt was so imposed on Israel. Still in there somewhere, Israel sought the Lord in prayer because he heard their cry, even though they were being oppressed with forced worship, forced labor. I will deliver you. In Psalm 108, verse 12, Oh, give us help against the adversary, against the enemy, for deliverance by man is in vain. I wonder when we come to that point. When we're in trouble, when we're going through a trial, when we're gripped with problems, I wonder how much it takes or how far we have to walk with that burden before we come to the place where we realize man can't deliver me. Only the Lord can deliver me. So God, please deliver me. Please help me. Some people say, I'm at the end of my rope, Lord. Deliver me. Man's deliverance is in vain. What one man delivers, another man can enslave. When God delivers, you are free indeed. In Psalm 121, verse 2, As I look up to the hills, where does my help come from? My help is from Adonai, the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. 
If you're going to go to a source, you might as well go to the highest and best. Yeshua gave himself for our sins so that he might deliver us from the present evil world system. Galatians 1.14 The highest and the best we can ask for. We can be delivered now. You don't have to wait for the kingdom to come. The king of the kingdom to come has already come. So the kingdom is here and yet not yet. Both exist at the same time. It's like the kingdom of God lives within me, but is still coming. I will also redeem you and redeem you with an outstretched arm with the great, with great judgments. This is the third cup of wine during Passover, the cup of redemption. We already just talked about the first two cups. The cup of sanctification or take you out or separate you. Excuse me. The cup of deliverance. The cup of redemption is the third cup. Redeem comes from the root word in Hebrew, ga'al. To redeem, to buy back as the next of kin, just like Ruth and Naomi, the story of Ruth. Naomi and Ruth came back from what we now call Jordan, Moab, came back into the land of Israel, but they were penniless. And she couldn't reclaim her, her dead husband's land because he was dead. But a close relative could buy it back for her. It turned out to be Boaz. Boaz reclaimed Naomi's property. He married Ruth. This is, by the way, veiled a veiled story of Jews and Gentiles coming together in Yeshua. Ruth was a Gentile. So God says, I will redeem you. I will send a redeemer, Goel. Yes, Moses was there as a redeemer, but God is real, the real redeemer. God doesn't share his glory. God's the real redeemer. So this is speaking of the Lord. So when we talk about Yeshua as our redeemer, God did exactly what he had already outlined in his word. I will send you your close kin, your closest relative to redeem. Redeem your life, redeem your property, redeem the promises in God. And you know what, friends? His name is Yeshua. God took on flesh. The Word of God took on flesh, became a human being, and became the Redeemer of Israel and of all the nations, anybody in the nations who will trust in Him, who actually, like Ruth, will come from afar into the place of promise in Israel. And that place is Yeshua. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. This word arm, we find at Passover again, this word arm is zroah. It's the lamb shank bone. We call it zroah. It's on the Seder plate. Zroah. The lamb shank bone. It's talking about the lamb, but it's really talking about the Lord. The Lord is a lamb? Wow. The Lord says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. 
arm, and I will bring judgments upon the land of Egypt. I love this part in Isaiah. Chapter 52, verse 10, Adonai has bared his holy arm. He did. And the Hebrew word Zeroah is used in Isaiah 52. He's revealed his holy arm, and that verse says, to bring Yeshua. I know your Bible says salvation, but the word there, the combination of words there in Isaiah 52 verse 10 is Yeshuat Elohim, to bring the salvation of God, to bring the Yeshua of the Lord. And of course, it goes right into Isaiah 53 and describes the Lamb of God who will take away the sin. I will take you. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. This is a relationship with eternal worth. Friends, do you see we've just gone through the whole plan of salvation here? <laughs> brought, brought us into a relationship with the only living God. And this relationship is of eternal worth. Yeshua said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. He says, I and the Father are one. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. The people who come to Yeshua hear his voice. They hear the voice of the Lord, the word of God. And no one can snatch them out. No enemy can snatch them out of God's hand or of Yeshua's hand. So we're delivered and set apart. Like Israel, those near and far off will be delivered and set apart, Jews and Gentiles alike. I refer you and ask you to read again Ephesians chapters 2 and 3. To all who are prisoners of hope, Adonai is near, and he hears your cry. Real change comes by true faith and trust in Yeshua, the change maker. He took the old self, our old self, nailed it to the tree with him, and created in us a new creation, a new creation. Real change comes by true faith and trust. You know what true faith, you know why I, I extended those words, true faith and trust, instead of just saying faith? I wanted to emphasize this. I want you to understand, without works, without obedience to the Lord, without activity, faith activity, faith is dead. You can't just say, I believe, and then not do it. That means you don't believe. It means it's only lip service. But once you trust truly, you truly have faith in Yeshua and what God has provided, your life changes. Your life begins to change from the inside out by the work of God, by the work of the Spirit of God. But to know that, you begin to walk in those things that God has called you to. Adonainu, we bless you and thank you. I just thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy in our lives. Bless you, Lord. Thank you for the great hope we have in our Messiah, Yeshua. We long for his soon coming, and we pray in his name. Amen. May Adonai bless you and keep you. 
May Adonai shine His face upon you and be gracious to you. May Adonai lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom.